Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. There are two things that I associate with getting sick, reaching all the way back to when I was a little kid. Old school sweatpants with a little elastic around the ankle. And of course, egg McMuffins. (laughs) Yes, when I was sick and my mom let me stay home, who's probably listening. Hi, mom. We often grabbed an egg McMuffin. And those McDonald's memories are enough to still make me want an egg sandwich now when I get sick. Today... As Omicron stampedes through the Bay Area, we're talking about the comfort foods that people crave across countries and cultures with KQED food editor Luke Sai. This is a first in a new series with Luke. He'll join us every other week to dig into the many food cultures of the Bay Area. Welcome to the show, Luke. Thanks so much for having me, Alexis. So I got to ask you about you yourself. What did you eat as a kid when you were sick? For me... You know, my my biggest memory of being sick when I was a kid, whether whether I had a cold or or especially if I had some sort of stomach bug where I was having trouble, you know, keeping food down is um, my mom. You know, I grew up in a in a Chinese Taiwanese immigrant family. Um, and so the thing that my mom would always make for me is uh, kanji, you know, that sort of uh, plain white uh, rice porridge, you know, not not the kind that has all kinds of you know, meat and other ingredients in it, just the kind that's rice and water, you know, in a pot simmered until it's, you know, soft and velvety, um, completely bland, you know, and and when you're sick, you know, when when you're not sure if you can keep food down, um, if your stomach's bothering you a little bit, you know, a lot of times that was the only thing that that I could eat. Um, And, you know, those who've had kanji before, you know, that when you have that kind of plain kanji, the whole point is the little side dishes that you have with it, you know, Mm. so you might have a little bit of, um, you know, uh, soy sauce, pickled uh, cucumbers, you might have some fermented bean curd, Um, you might have like some little stir fried peanuts, you know, just little dishes um, that would provide the flavor, you know, and the, and the kanji would sort of be the blank canvas for that. Um, But I, I can't even count, you know, how many times I was sort of, um, you know, brought up out of being laid low with whatever sickness, uh, just just by a pot of kanji. So that's uh, me and Luke, egg McMuffins and beautiful velvety kanji. What do you, you eat when you're sick or what did you eat as a kid when you were sick? Give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, KQED Forum. And, of course, you can email forum at kqed.org and tell us what you eat when you get sick or what you crave when you get sick. Luke, it seems like every culture in the world has a chicken soup. (laughs) 
And chicken soup is definitely something that when you start to say to people, hey, what do you eat when you're – everyone's like chicken soup. So um, for you, if you were to have to choose a chicken soup to eat when you were sick from, from around the world, what, what would you pick? <laughs> it's, it's really hard to pick. I mean, I think because it's what I grew up with, you know, I, I tend to lean more into the sort of Chinese and, and Taiwanese traditions, you know, and so I make this um, for my kids now, you know, e- even when they're not sick, just when the weather is kind of cold and gloomy, you know, I'll just throw a whole uh, Cornish game hen um, in, mm-hmm. uh, in in the instant pot, you know, or, or whatever pressure cooker you have, you know, it's not a sponsored segment. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, just toss it in there, cover it with water, throw in some like dried shiitake mushrooms, some ginger, uh, some dried scallops, if you have them, some goji berries, you know, and that's it. And just let it cook uh, for like half an hour, and it's done in the pressure cooker. Um, that kind of like really basic, you know, what comes out is just this really clean, um, you know, wholesome, you know, rich, but but not heavy, kind of soup you know but there's so many that are great you know like there's there's chicken pho you know that you can get at at many uh vietnamese restaurants um around the bay um in terms of the chinese tradition you know i love there's places that do the double boiled soup which is like a cantonese Mm. thing where like the soup is cooked inside you put it inside of the ceramic jar first and then you you boil and steam uh the, the ingredients that are inside of that jar um there's a place in Oakland Chinatown called Imperial Soup um, that does a great version of it. It's um, absolutely fantastic food when you're when you're feeling sick. Um, I don't know. How, how about you, Alexis? Yeah, what, yeah I have to rep for tortilla soup. I mean, the version mm. that I grew up with is like pretty labor intensive. So you might not want to make it like yourself while you're sick. But if someone made it for you, it would be great. In in particular, because you have all the little things that you're going to add into it, you might have, you know, a, a, a cotija cheese you're going to throw in. You'd have the tortillas themselves. You'd have uh, the little um, uh, fried chilies. Like you have all these different things that you can throw in there. But at its base, it's basically chicken soup with some um, uh, fried tomato uh, stuff kind of paste in there. And so it has that same feel of like eating chicken soup. But it also has, you know, this this deeper bed of flavor as a result of the uh, kind of taking this uh, tomatoey mess and and kind of frying it. So that that for me is a big one. Um, we got uh, Ludovic has some uh, uh, tweeted at us. Soon Dubu and Pho uh, are some of my faves, as well as matzo ball soup. And they're still looking for an East Bay spot with Greek lemon chicken soup, and also somewhere with a yummy split pea soup with ham in it. And I promised them on Twitter that we would get them an answer, at least for one of these. Um, do you have a place that might have a Greek lemon chicken soup or a yummy split pea? Oh, man. Um, I love uh, what's it, it's called, like, uh, avo lemono, right? Uh, this, it's I think del- so. Yeah, yeah. Delicious. I don't, I don't have a spot, you know, like I, I grew up on the East coast and like, there were just so many more like Greek restaurants on the East coast. So I, I'm sure uh, there's a great spot, but I don't, I don't know it. Maybe, maybe our, I think the producers have having... a, have a, have a suggestion. Icaros, Judy Campbell producer. Thank you. On Grand Avenue has the Greek lemon chicken soup. So there you go, Ludovic. We we're here for you. 
Um, let's bring in Lisa from uh, San Carlos. Welcome. Hi there. Um, thanks for having this this episode. Um, my when I was a teenager, my mom was ill with cancer, and she would ask me to make her this thing called milk toast. And of course, we've all seen in literature or whatever right, like reading. M I L Q U E. Right. Q. Yeah. Well, it was literally M I L K T O A S T, and it was toasted white bread with butter and you pour a little warm milk over it and maybe a little cinnamon sugar and you can imagine what that looks like it's just mush it's kind of like (laughs) you know it's just mushy soft whatever and i would make that for her and like as an adult when i read about it it would make me well number one it would make me think about her but it to think that there was that word milk toast and that actual dish milk toast. Oh, do you ever make that for yourself or, or uh, children, <laughs> relatives? Well, I, I make a virgin, version of it with leftover rice, um, you know, from eating out. You know, you have white rice and mm-hmm. I put a little milk and sugar and... and, uh, and Almost like a quick rice pudding kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, but it's super thin. Yeah, but um, yeah... Anyway, it was just kind of, this yeah. is a great episode, and it made me think of those times. Yeah. Aww, thanks, Lisa. Thanks for sharing that story with us. We really, we really <laughs> okay. appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, have a great day. Uh, we want to bring in uh, Sarah Kernan, um, chef and owner at Miss Ollie's, an Afro-Caribbean restaurant in Oakland. Great spot. Thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. Thank you for having me. So... Tell us, I think Luke tipped us off to this, that you would make a special kind of tea for people when they're sick and you've been making it during the pandemic. Can you talk to us a little bit about it? Yes. Um, So, yeah, I'm from the, I I grew up on the island of Barbados. And um, one of the things that we, 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 our go-to when times are hard or when people aren't feeling at their best is something called bush tea. And um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I decided to make large batches of bush tea and give it away to um, community. And it was something that was it, it went it went over really well. And um, a lot of people, you know, came back, kept coming back for it. And stories kept coming back with why they wanted to come back for it. So. Yeah, bush tea is bush tea is our thing. What's kind of what's in it? Like, what is it really about? Sort of the love and preparation that go into it, or is it more about like the actual ingredients? You know, I think it probably started off as an ingredient-based recipe, um, but then you know, every household makes it different, every island makes it different, and so then I think it just became about like the hands that made it yeah. and what went into it, the intentions that went into it, and. Um, you know, for me, like my 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 memories of of feeling sick were because my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, was going to make bush tea, and um, I think I mentioned to one of your producers yesterday that uh, it was like just seeing the elements or the things in my house that would go into that tea, like peeled or, or peeled oranges had been dried, you know, um, garlic pods that had been dried, and black cardamom, and just all these different amazing spices and then the the bush that was brought in from outside which could have been wild grass or something they call cow itch like all these things and it would just be in this pot steaming and you knew that it was going to you knew it was going to cure all but it, was, <laughs> it wasn't curing anybody it was what it was it was giving us love and light yeah. 
Yeah. What about foods? I, I heard cowfoot soup possibly as a sick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Cow heel or cowfoot, depending on which island you're in. And uh, once again, it's one of those things that like there's all this gelatin in the foot of the cow. So it makes it sticky and gooey. And then you add um, cassava, which is yucca or white sweet potatoes and onions and maybe some okra. And it's that it's like the glue that sticks you back together, oh, you know. Yeah. And then there's this bone with all this 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 beautiful, wonderful fattiness on it. So, yeah, that's another soup that we make that we don't put it on the menu per se, but people know we'll maybe post it on our social media that we have it. And then people are just like they're they're coming in for it. Oh, my gosh. Sarah Kernan, chef and owner at Miss Ollie's, an Afro-Caribbean restaurant in Oakland. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing those. Those are both incredible examples. Thank you so much. Well, thank, thank you, you so much, Sarah. All right. Bye bye. But um, Luke, I want to bring in uh, Sean from Oakland only because his family does the exact same thing that my family did. Go ahead, Sean. <laughs> hey, what's going on, KQED? Um, yeah, I always thought this was kind of weird growing up. But uh, uh, whenever me or my sister were sick, uh, when we were little, my mom would open a can of Sprite and she would take a straw and stir out all the bubbles and the carbonation so that it was a flat soda and then give us that with salt and crackers. And then the other weird thing that she would do is she would put Vicks VapoRub on our feet and then put on two layers of socks. So uh, I don't know if there's any science behind that, but I just thought it was weird. I don't know if there's any science either, but it clearly works. That's all I'm saying. I mean, Sean, the the Sprite thing. It got better, but, like, I, I don't know if it expedited it you know yeah yeah thanks so much Sean. you know um luke my my family really did the sprite thing uh to a to a tea and i wonder did you have special drinks that you had in addition to your kanji and your family or have you have you heard of other ones like bush tea luke sorry sorry uh, i think i got muted by accident um, the, the Sprite is something that I did, um, in my house as well. We didn't do the flat Sprite. It was just like, it was like the one time when it was okay to drink as much soda <laughs> as I wanted. <laughs> so whether it be Sprite or whether it be, um, you know, ginger ale was another big one, you know, if, if you were sick. Um, so I remember that a lot. Um, and I remember also just like hot ginger tea, like basically just like ginger like cooked uh is like steeped in hot water um as something that if i if i had like a sore throat or something drinking a lot of that you know if i if i was lucky maybe she'd put some like rock sugar in it so it wouldn't be you know just spicy be a little sweet also um but those were some of the things i remember when i was growing up but you know i think like a lot of this you know just makes me think about how like especially these sick foods is a way of like passing on cultural legacy especially for like immigrant families you know I just feel Mm -hmm. like you know for me that's part you know my kids you know they're growing up they're they're in elementary school they're growing up in the U.S. you know they they can you know they can barely understand Chinese you know that like they they have a handful of words that they can say you know they're, they're basically growing up American um and for a long time I didn't really cook that much Chinese food for them you know and 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 then I reached a certain point where I was like man you know, if I don't, if I don't start making some of these dishes, and I think that like starting from like something like kanji, you know, when they're sick, mm-hmm. 
like they're not going to have those memories that I had when I grew up, you know, they're not going to feel that connection um, to culture. And I feel like those are the sort of things you remember, you know, like, oh yeah, when I was a kid, I did this and other people who come from the same background as me, they, 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 um, they can relate to that. You know, they had that same experience. So I wanted my kids to also have that, you know, I wanted them to, to be like, oh yeah, I, I had this kind of chicken soup or I had, <laughs> I had, I had this kanji, you know, I, I know what that is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think for a lot of immigrant families that that's, that become, especially like second, third generation, it becomes something you have to consciously do. So let's run through some calls. We're going to do these real quick just to get uh, people's things that they ate when they were sick. Uh, Vigaya in Sunnyvale, you're on. Yes, hi, this is Vijaya, and um, I was calling to talk about uh, in India, we have this complete, you know, protein-packed, amazing immunity booster meal, which is khichdi, which is a combination of rice and moong dal, and, of course, a dollop of ghee. Um, All of that, you know, is basically a a meal for all seasons and all reasons, but especially when you're sick, because it calms your digestive system and detoxifies it and improves the immunity all at the same time. Uh, So I wanted to call in about that. And of course, you can make it as spicy or as light as you want. And you can put in, you know, vegetables or whatever. But but the classic one when you're really sick is just plain, you know, rice and dal a little bit of turmeric, and, of course, uh, the ghee. ghee. You can't ah, miss the ghee. <laughs> thank you so much, Vijay. That's a great one. Let's uh, also go to uh, Jenny in San Francisco real quick. What did you eat when you get sick? Oh, basically the same as uh, your guests. And so it, it's just, except for the thing is, like, for some reason in Chinese or, Chinese or Taiwanese culture, it's more about the ginger. Like, they, my mom would make the plain um, kanji or uh, juk or what do you call it, shifan, uh, and then she put a ton of ginger in there, and it'd be really spicy, but it's with a, like a clear broth. Like, um, and it, it was just a thing. And I had the same feeling that your yes has is, is that, you know, you get to a certain age and your kids are growing older, and and you, um, I'm a first-generation American, so now that I have kids that are 13, 9, and 3, it's, it becomes a point where you're actually searching for foods that come from your childhood and and yeah. it's hard because you you can't read chinese so that that makes it difficult but you're searching for food so that you have that same memory so they can relate it to their own culture and their That's own experiences that you Ah, thanks so much, Jenny, for that call. That's a great uh, emphasis on on what Luke said about how these sick foods do pass on culture. Apparently, the uh, egg McMuffins are part of my assimilation process. Uh, (laughs) Renee writes, I want to run through some comments really quick before we go. Renee writes, I'm Chicana, but learned from a Chinese-American family to stave off a cold with gumwall tea, or what I call just twig tea that comes in an orange box and looks like twigs. Amy writes that she started handing out soup to friends in need during the pandemic. And Georgette writes, my very favorite chicken soup for when I'm under the weather is the chicken and rice soup from Brent's Deli in the L.A. area. We've been talking about the foods that we eat when we get sick with Luke Sai. He's going to join us every other week. He's the food editor here at KQED. Thanks so much for coming on, Luke. Thanks so much for having me, Alexis. This was fun. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation.
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.